This is the Bandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network, and I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's Vanderbilt football pregame show is brought to you by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, as well as this season's baseball content, are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with the Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee, and they now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores convenience stores, and others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at mpmci.com. Also, we're still looking for a sponsor for football content. As crazy as that sounds, email chrislee at chrislee70 at gmail.com if you have any interest. All right, on today's show, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer ahead of Vanderbilt's Game against Alabama AM Saturday night, six o'clock kickoff. Also, Kevin Ingram, sideline reporter for the uh, Vanderbilt Radio Network on 102.5 and 94.9 FM here in Nashville. Also, Ted Dixie, back to back play by voice, play by play voices of the opponent, voice of the Bulldogs for Alabama AM, will join us. Great conversation uh, with him, giving us a lot of insight on Alabama A&M, some of the history behind their program, players to watch, some of their exotic defensive schemes. So fun conversation with uh, Ted Dixie. So stay tuned for that. But first, today's news. It's brought to you by The Wash House, which is also our presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendance can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com. Or stop in today to get your time back. Vanderbilt and Alabama A&M Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. little weather forecast for you. I'm going to try to start doing this every week during the day, mainly sunny for everybody out there tailgating, high around 89. And as you know, last week the high was around about 99, so 10 degrees cooler on Saturday as you tailgate before Alabama A&M and Vanderbilt at night, clear skies and a low around 65, so we should be able to settle in for a great night of football. Doesn't look like any rain, thunderstorms, or lightning will be in the area. So it should be a beautiful night for football on West End. Injury report before we get to our guests today and the chat room in today's mailbag. Clark Lee said Leighton Nelson, Junior Uzebu, Linus Zunk, and Martel Height are all questionable for the Alabama AM game. Darren Agu is still out but he returned to practice and he's tracking uh, toward playing against Wake Forest. So Davion Davis uh, is is still out as well. Jeffrey Hugo is uh, questionable. Quincy Skinner is probable. So those are the injury concerns. Clark Lee does a very good job of uh, updating the press about those, and uh, I'll try to get those uh, to you every week as well. <clears throat> All right, we got to keep moving. Let's get to our mailbag before we get to our guests. That is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, mailbag. We start with Mr. Vandy. Do you think height will get more reps this week, or will it stay about the same as last week? I think it'll stay about the same as last week, although it looks like height is, is banged up. So, you know, he may get fewer snaps than he did last week just to – just to limit him and make sure he's good to go uh, against Wake Forest because you you know they need him against Wake Forest, right? Martel Height is arguably the most talented corner on this team as a freshman. I think that tells you a little bit about that room. But at the same time, you know you're you're going to need him to to get some work in against Alabama A and M. So I, I don't again I don't know 100 percent what they'll do, but my gut tells me that Martel Height. Uh, won't get as many reps as he did last week because they're they're trying to 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 
to contain him, keep him healthy, keep him 100% so that he doesn't, you know, re-aggravate anything heading into the Wake game. Because if they don't have Martell Height for the Wake Forest game, they will be in big trouble. So to answer your question, no, I don't think he'll get more reps. If anything, it stays the same uh, or he gets even fewer reps uh, because it does sound like Trudeau Berry should be back uh, from whatever he was, you know, he was out for. It wasn't an injury. We had, we, we never we never found out about that. But yeah, Martel Hyde, I would say they'll they'll be cautious with him against a team like Alabama A and M that that they should beat. All right, let's go to showing gold. When do you think Newberry sees the field? It's funny you ask that. I, I was I was thinking the same thing a couple of days ago. Uh, he did not play against Hawaii. And not su- not surprised by that though. I think Chris Lee mentioned that uh, in in uh, in this week's I guess roundtable podcast with Luke and, and myself. You, Chris said he wasn't surprised that that he didn't see uh, AJ Newberry. Of course, Newberry has uh, you know those four games he can play in, uh, you know, and w- while maintaining the red shirt. So if they do end up wanting to do that, uh, you could see some of that. I'm you know again I'm not sure if that's something they want to do, uh, but I think Newberry sees the field against A and M. I really do. I think, you know, th- this Alabama A&M game comes at the time where it's right before Wake Forest. Huge game on this schedule. Coaches know that, right? It's first road trip of the season. Your, your main goal here is to get out and and stay healthy, right? Stay healthy against this Alabama A&M team. You don't want any cheap injuries, unnecessary playing time from players that probably shouldn't be out there late in the game because you need them that next week against Wake Forest on the road in a very, very big matchup for Vanderbilt. So I think Newberry plays against Alabama A&M, maybe not in the first half, but I think you see Newberry in the second half, and I think you're going to like what you see. And for those who haven't been at fall camp, I know you know it hasn't been open to fans, but Newberry is a guy that has – he's got the most home run potential out of any of these running backs, not just the freshmen. Right, but he's got the most home run potential out of any of these running backs. So I, I think Newberry will play against Alabama AM. After that, I think it'll be tough to see him on the field, uh, especially against SEC opponents like Kentucky and Missouri. Um, you know, again, maybe UNLV if they get up big, but I think Vanderbilt, you know, by the first half should be up by at least three or four touchdowns. And at that point, you don't you don't you don't need to play your starters, right? Th- th- there's just there's no need to risk. Uh, an unnecessary injury. So, yeah, I think Newberry sees the field against Alabama A&M. All right, GLH4VU, what would make this game successful besides a win? It's a really good question because, you know, you look at the scoreboard after the game, 42-14. to 14, Okay, Vanderbilt won, you know, but maybe they scored a couple of garbage touchdowns and they were only up a couple of touchdowns throughout the game, right? You never know, you know, as an outside fan, if you didn't watch Vanderbilt play, uh, how that game you know, occurred like for the Hawaii game, for example, right? Vanderbilt wins 35-28, but, you know, you don't know that Vanderbilt was was up 35-14, you know, in the third quarter. So I think there there's, there's that to this component, right? Also, well, number one, I think Vanderbilt's offensive line has to dominate. And I said this this week already. This is the biggest thing I'm watching. How does the, how does the offensive line play in the run game, right? Can they run block? Because they didn't run block against uh against hawaii and i think they would tell you that you know, they really really struggled they struggled with uh, procedural penalties just shooting themselves in the foot and if you're coach aj blasic you got to get that cleaned up heading into wake forest because i know wake forest doesn't have the best defense and they're not known for defense but you've got to have things cleaned up heading into uh heading into winston-salem uh, here in a couple of weeks again cornerback play as well you have got to clean that up as well because Wake Forest that that if you got if you want to clean something up before Wake Forest clean up the quarterback room corner back room the, the the secondary play i mean that 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 is that is an absolute must so number 1 offensive line can they run block number 2 secondary right specifically the corners are the, are they are they getting beat consistently down the field again and if if they are, that's a serious problem because your opponent is Alabama AM. So you, you you don't want to see that if you're a Vanderbilt fan. So I think what would make this game successful besides a win, seeing the offensive line return to form in the run game and being able to dominate a front seven on the ground. Also, the cornerbacks, 
right? Getting into more of a rhythm, making more plays, maybe an interception here or there. I know Ricky Wright had two, uh, but maybe spreading the wealth to another guy, maybe getting another interception. Um, seeing if Tyson Russell improves. B.J. Anderson, I thought, played pretty well. See if he can maintain that. Trudell Berry, what does he look like when he, when he comes back? Right, so I think specifically the cornerback play, if they can get back to a situation where they feel confident heading into the Wake Forest game, that's a win. All right, Brain13. I'd like to see a lot of backups play in this game, but what's the smart balance there? Well, again, I mentioned it. The timing of this game is is unique because you've got, you know, I think one of the biggest games on your schedule coming up next weekend in Winston-Salem. So, you know, if you get up three, maybe four scores, probably probably four to five, right? If you get up four touchdowns and you're in the second half, your starters don't need to be out there anymore. They, they, they just don't. Uh, but the smart balance is if you're, you know, say you're up 28-14 in the first half, you know, you might want to put some icing on the cake in the first half, leave your starters in. That way you get up 35-14 heading into the half and, you know, you're able to sit pretty, be confident. And then maybe second half, you know, you send out Ken Seals or, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it, but the, the smart balance is number one, keeping your guys healthy, but also number two, showing improvement. I mean, you, you know, you've got to go out there and dominate Alabama A&M. There's, there's no other option. What's the conventional wisdom, he also asks, of letting the backups get in get in tune versus letting your starters get rusty and not ready for what will be a pivotal game three? That's a good point as well. You want to play your starters uh, enough to where they they continue that rhythm you know, throughout the early part of this season heading into Wake Forest, right? Uh, but you also want to let the backups get in. So, for, for example, the quarterback position, right? Ken Seals, if, if Ken is able to play a whole quarter, th those are good reps for Ken. I mean, plays a cup two or three possessions, those are really good reps uh, for Ken. That's a running back spot. Newberry, Benson, Alexander, if they were able to get a couple of possessions in in the fourth quarter, those are great reps. doesn't matter who you're playing. Doesn't matter where you are, right? Th those are those are good reps for everybody. So um, I don't know about the conventional wisdom, but you know you cannot let your starters get rusty, right? So you've got to be ready for a pivotal game three, as you mentioned, and um, you know that that's what they're going to try to do. He also asks, in particular, I'd like to see Ken Seals play, Shep sit just to keep him fresh, and maybe uh, Quincy Skinner sit to rest that tweaked Tammy. Yeah, Ken Seals, I just mentioned him. You know, I think Ken will play in this game. Uh, how much, I don't know. But, you know, I think at least in the fourth quarter, you could say Ken might play the entire fourth quarter against Alabama A&M. Uh, Shep to sit just to keep him fresh. Don't hate that. Uh, I really don't hate that. I think you still need to play him, you know, at least a few possessions just to, you know, just to get a little bit more work in uh, and some more live reps. I don't think they'll sit Shep. Uh, Quincy Skinner. Again, I don't think he'll play a ton, but I think, you know, those are their two best receivers right there, and they need him for Wake. They know they need him for Wake, so they won't play a ton against Alabama A&M. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to need him to, you know, to get up big first in this game. So I, I think they will play. All right, a couple more here. VA72, should we focus some more on definite run plays, such as the stretch play that went for a touchdown, then run pass option plays that make that may take some aggression away from the offensive line? Well, it's a good question because within this offense, Vanderbilt is not as much of a stretch run play team as they were last year, right? Last year you saw Ray Davis. Uh, he's a big stretch run guy, right? Vanderbilt's offensive line, I think um, they might tell you they prefer that scheme a little bit more. It's, 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 tough, to, uh, it's tough to block sometimes with these, uh, you know, with, with these run pass option uh, plays because as an offensive line, you know, you've got to you've got to think. Okay, I could be pass blocking here, but I could also be run blocking, right? I mean, that that's that's the challenge of that run pass option. Everybody's doing it now, though. I mean, so you know, you you, you got to adjust to it. I will say though, I think Vanderbilt will run some stretch run plays against Alabama A and M, but that doesn't mean against Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, Auburn they'll they'll go back to the well with that. I think Vanderbilt wants to be a more balanced offensive team where they're in the shotgun and they're able to hand it off to an Alexander, but they're also a Swanzel also able to keep it 
right? If he sees if he sees something he doesn't like, he can keep it, and he can also get it out quick. So I think that's the next step for AJ Swan. Clark Lee talked about that, making the right reads, right? As a young player, that that's still a challenge consistently. But again, if AJ Swan can get comfortable, I think this offense can be really dangerous. So um, I don't think Vanderbilt will focus more on stretch plays. You might see it against Alabama A and M. But the run-pass option plays in the run game, I think, will continue, especially uh, heading into that Wake Forest game. All right, Godors94, last question. Are there any standout players on Alabama a and I know their quarterback, uh, they call him Quad Brown, and that Quad is not his real name. That's a nickname. His real name is Cornelius Brown IV, and he is a uh, he's an athlete. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's not the best thrower of the football, but he can make some throws. He's a great runner. Uh, talking with Ted Dixie, he'll he'll talk a lot more about Alabama A and M and their personnel and uh, and what they like to do on offense and also on defense. Some of those ex- exotic, uh, you know, exotic looks on defense. So Ted Dixie will give you all the information on Alabama A and M, and uh, I know that was part of the Godors ninety four question there. So stay tuned for Ted Dixie getting you all the information on the Bulldogs, and that leads us into our guest line. Thank you again for all those mailbag questions. Uh, love getting those. Uh, I, I like to use those as last-minute questions uh, for game week. Just if you got any, uh, feel free to uh, type those in every week. All right, our guest line to close out the show is presented by John Leffen and the Mater Nexon Government Contracts Group. Mater Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call at 256 551 0171. Again, that's 256-551-0171. All right, we kick off today's pregame show with what to watch for with Joey Dwyer. All right, we begin our guest line with Joey Dwyer, VandySports.com, staff writer. Joey, Vanderbilt coming off a 35-28 win over Hawaii, and they turn their attention to Alabama A&M. Six o'clock kickoff on Saturday Alabama A&M, of course, an FCS opponent. This game comes at a good time, I would say, for uh, for the Commodores, Joey. Yeah, I think – I don't know if we thought they'd be in need of a bounce-back outing after Hawaii, but kind of feels like they are even after the win. So it be a nice spot for Vanderbilt to kind of get its confidence back before heading to Wake Forest and really being tested for the first time. I guess Hawaii tested it, but this is the real thing now at Wake Forest, and uh, Alabama A&M will be – a nice test. It'll throw a lot of things at Vanderbilt that it hasn't seen yet in terms of its fronts, in terms of tempo on the uh, offensive side. So, be lots to watch for in this one. I think Vanderbilt obviously knows that Saturday was not good enough to get to where it wants to go, and it'll have to improve this weekend. I think we'll talk about it later, but Vanderbilt needs to blow Alabama A and M out and needs to win this game by a significant margin. If it's going to have that confidence heading into Wake Forest and if it's going to live up to the expectations set heading into this one. Yeah, last season, Alabama A&M, 4-7 and seven overall, 4-4 uh, four and four in their conference. Uh, they were 3-1 and one at home, but they struggled on the road, 1-4. and four. So, obviously, Joey, anytime you play an FCS opponent, you, as an SEC team, right, you expect to own them at the line of scrimmage, run the ball, and dominate the game. I'm not saying don't pass the ball, right? But, you know, you should be able to own the time of possession and you should be able to dominate Alabama A&M in the trenches. And, Joey, that's where I'll start, right? And I, and we'll do this similar uh, to, to to the way we did last week, right? Uh, our, our three things to watch for, uh, what to watch for here heading into Alabama A&M. And I'll start with that. You know, Vanderbilt last week against Hawaii, and, and I think – Coach Blazek would tell you, Coach Lee would tell you, they were not physical enough. Um, now, on the other side, there were coachable and correctable mistakes uh, that were made, uh, not just in the offensive line, but throughout the team. But specifically for this topic point, the offensive line, they had procedural issues, uh, penalties, uh, simple mistakes. Uh, I thought there were certain guys, and, and Luke Wyatt said this on on uh, on the podcast this week. There were certain guys that just played poorly, right? And 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 that happens at every sport, Joey. But in in, and in football, in the in the first game of the season, that that can certainly happen. And I think it happened on Vanderbilt's offensive line. So, Joey, that's where I'll start. And I know that's probably a a, a key for you as well. Vanderbilt's physicality in the trenches against an FCS opponent 
they should be able to uh, impose their will on the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think that was the most unexpected, underwhelming part of last week. I think we knew the cornerback play wouldn't be awesome. We probably knew that the running back room wasn't quite as good as we thought it would be. But the offensive line was really a disappointment. I thought the offensive line could have really helped that running attack that only had 39 rushing yards and really underwhelmed just against the defensive line that is an SEC caliber. And I think it'll have an opportunity to bounce back this week, but still seeing that performance brings up some questions. I thought that group would be able to hit the ground running a little bit earlier just because of its experience and because of its continuity, but it feels like they weren't quite jointed at the hip and weren't quite as effective as you would think. You'd think they'd get more push and you'd think they'd be able to help that running game a little bit more. Um, I thought they were okay in terms of pass blocking. The run blocking obviously leaves a lot to be desired and also the procedural penalties, like you said. I think a lot of the running game being hampered was due to procedural penalties and them getting behind the sticks. So the line certainly one to watch for me on the offensive side. Also the defensive side, though, I think for the rest of the year, the defensive line and the corners are going to kind of have to help each other and play complimentary yeah. football. I don't know if that really happened on Saturday. It feels like the defensive line couldn't quite get home when it needed to, and that set Vanderbilt's corners up for a lot of failure, a lot of deep balls that uh, Shager had a lot of time to throw. So Vanderbilt's defensive line has to take a step up as well. But the offensive line is the one I'm really watching, especially in terms of run blocking and um, penalties. They didn't have a holding call, so that's a positive but also the procedural penalties from a group like that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and Joey, it's not as much about you know the pass protection as it is the run blocking, right? Pass protection wasn't perfect, uh, but I didn't think it was awful either. I mean, AJ Swan was able to you know sit back there at times and com- and consistently complete passes, uh, but you know there were also some times where you know he just wouldn't have any time at all. I think Hawaii had three sacks. Uh, but more importantly, the the ground game was just not effective enough. And you know, Luke Wyatt mentioned that again. I, I keep mentioning Luke Wyatt, but he has a lot of really good points in the running game. He said Vanderbilt's running game will probably be used through the air a lot, right? So short, quick passes to act as the running game. Or you know, Joe, you saw Logan Kyle uh, with that little end around uh, in in the red zone there. So. Only having 39 rushing yards against Hawaii, that has to change. And I think we can both agree that's the first thing that has to change uh, for Vanderbilt uh, to be competitive against Alabama A&M. All right, let's go to the second thing to watch, Joey, the cornerback play. You you just mentioned it, right? Braden Shager was phenomenal. I mean, we we knew Hawaii was going to score points. At least I did. I was trying to tell people that Hawaii is going to put up points Braden Shaker, 27 of 34, 351 yards and three touchdowns. And Hawaii put up a total of 351 passing yards. So they got back into the game, Joey, because of Shager, that run and shoot offense. And you point to Vanderbilt's struggles at corner, right? Guys like Tyson Russell, young guy like Savion Riley, Martell Height in there. Martell Height and Tyson Russell split snaps 50 50, just about. That's what I'm looking for, Joey. Does that change at all, right? Does height get a bigger percentage this week? Or does Russell, does it stay the same? Or does Russell get a bigger percentage because he's playing better? So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for improvement at the cornerback position, but also the the snap percentage. You also didn't see Trudell Berry. So there's a lot of things I'm watching, Joey, in the secondary heading into Alabama A&M, and I know you are as well. How could you not, Billy? I mean... There was a lot that went wrong there, and that's against Hawaii. Obviously, Hawaii loves to throw it up and down the field, so the margin for error is going to be a little bit smaller just because of how much they're going to throw it. But also, I think a lot of our concerns about the cornerback room are validated, as they often are after as many fall camp practices as you guys have seen. I feel like you generally have a pulse of what's going on there, and I think you guys were on the point. Uh, cornerback room is something to be concerned about. I plan on asking about Trudell Berry today. I don't think we have a reason as to why he hasn't played or whether he will play on Saturday. But, yeah, there's a lot there. It's interesting because I think everybody's clamoring for the young guys, but at this point in the year, I think you have to give the older guys the nod at least a little bit just because, I mean, (laughs) they're the older guys and Vanderbilt needs all the help it can get there. 
What concerns me about the older guys is that Clark Lee said it was fundamental issues, which I would understand more if it was the freshman and Trudeau mm-hmm. Berry. But if it's the older guys, that concerns me a little bit. I mean, I don't really have much room for optimism in that corner room right now. They're going to have to show it to me, and I think this weekend would be a nice starting point. But it wouldn't be the end-all, be-all, because I think Alabama A&M is a team that shouldn't compete with Vanderbilt. Uh, and I'll talk about it more later, but I think really what I want to see from the cornerback room is a 60-minute effort, just like the rest of this roster. Yeah, and, and I thought B.J. Anderson, sort of as a silver lining, played pretty well. and He made a huge play late in the game, so I want to make sure I mention that. But, Joe, you're right. I mean, if Vanderbilt gives up nearly, uh, you know, 360 yards passing against Hawaii, what's that, what's that pass defense going to look like against an Ole Miss or a Kentucky, right, a Tennessee, a Georgia, right? I'll tell you, it's not going to look good. So they have to improve uh, in that room. And I think we do need to mention the defensive line as well, Joey, as something to watch. Because they got they got some pressure, right? I'm not going to say they 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 didn't, but they need to get more pressure, right? They they need to get more pressure on the quarterback. I think they had three sacks. It's hard to get get any sacks against a run shoot offense because they get the ball to their hands so quick. So getting three sacks was pretty impressive, actually. But against an Alabama a And M, I think Joey, you would expect this team to get upwards of you know seven or eight sacks. I mean, to be honest, right? So just dominating the line of scrimmage, and and this is a get right game. Right. This is you, you should be able to get back on track in your pass rush. Right. You should be able to play better at corner. You should be able to run block better. Right? That's what games like this are for. But at the cornerback play, Joey, the defensive line has to help him out. And and getting Darren Agu back, I'm not I, again, he's still questionable for Alabama AM. We'll we'll see. And I'm sure you'll ask ask Clark about that today. Uh, but you know they've got to get more pressure to help out that cornerback room. Anything to help out the corners, right? Because they need it. That is another thing to watch as well. For sure, I think Darren Agu is certainly worth mentioning. I think he would have made maybe not a he maybe wouldn't have flipped this game on its head, but I think Darren Agu certainly would have made a difference and would have changed a lot of the narrative yeah. surrounding that defensive line. Because I think people forget Vanderbilt didn't have probably its best pass rusher. Uh, playing in that game so certainly of note there but you're right I think it's complimentary football especially between the D-line and the corners have to get home have to get pressure at least get pressure to make things challenging on the quarterback and the receivers and I think that'll have to be the case this weekend Alabama A&M is going to throw some tempo at Vanderbilt so it'll make it a little tougher to kind of get home just because Vanderbilt might have to rotate a little bit to keep guys fresh but it'll be really interesting to see if Vanderbilt can dominate a team like Alabama A&M on a line of scrimmage, because you'd expect that. You'd expect Alabama A&M to not have the bodies that Vanderbilt has. Wouldn't expect it to have the depth Vanderbilt has on the defensive line, on its offensive line. So it'll be interesting, and I think it'd be a huge confidence booster for this group if it can really dominate the line of scrimmage all day Saturday. Line of scrimmage, that's going to be a theme all, uh, all weekend. Can Vanderbilt dominate the line of scrimmage? Also, another thing to watch for in this game, Joey, you mentioned some of the exotic fronts, uh, defensive fronts that Alabama A&M uh, will utilize. And Luke t- Luke told us on the podcast this week that th- they'll they'll have plays where their defensive line, all, all four defensive linemen will stand up and sort of drop back, and then the linebackers will come in and blitz. So I'm, I don't think I've ever seen that uh, from, a, from a defense at any level. Uh, but th- that that's... That's going to be something to watch. It'll be fun to watch, but that's something that, you know, offensively, it's another challenge for this offensive line, right? You, you got to um, you, you hope, if you're Vanderbilt's coaching staff, that the offensive line looks a lot better because, I, and Joey, that's just as important as the cornerback position, right? Because if you can't run block, that hurts the passing game, right? Because you're not able to establish any sort of run game. So those exotic fronts, Joey, I don't know if you've done any research there. We're, we're going to have... Um, an Alabama A&M uh, broadcaster, actually their play-by-play voice on a little bit later in the show, and I'll try to get him to explain it. I don't know if you've looked into that at all, but uh, the exotic fronts from that Alabama A&M front seven uh, is definitely something else to watch. Right. <clears throat> Reminds me a lot of mid-major basketball where a coach will throw out an exotic zone and just try to do anything he can because his team's like left play out. five different defenses. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Every possession you get a different defense, and it feels like Vanderbilt – 
to an extent may see something like that from Alabama A&M. You really have no idea what's going to come. And that's probably the biggest hindrance to them really dominating this game on the offensive line is just you the just weird don't know. stuff. Yeah, the weird stuff that it's going to face. And C.J. Taylor mentioned this week that some of the stuff they saw from Hawaii wasn't on film. Feels like that could be the case as well for Alabama A&M, especially since their first game. So I don't even know what to really expect from that D-line, but <laughs> it's not going to be normal. And I think we're going to have a few moments on Saturday where we're kind of just confused. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, <laughs> that's what you love about college sports, right, is that sometimes there's such a big talent discrepancy that coaches are willing to do really anything to try to get it evened out some way. I don't know if it'll work for Alabama A&M, but it feels like it'll be a really interesting test for Vanderbilt's offensive line to kind of see that early, just like the defense saw the run and shoot last week. Yeah, you saw that play uh, last week where number zero, the Hawaii offensive lineman, he was listed as an H-back. He was eligible as an H-back in the backfield, and he he caught that. That, was, that had to have been a play that Vanderbilt didn't see on film. Right. So, Joey, to wrap up here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a question to you and it involves not this week's game but next week's game in winston-salem at wake forest right that's the game to look for in in this you know this stretch right i know alabama a&m is the next opponent and clark lee would not be happy with this discussion right now looking ahead to an opponent but wake forest if vanderbilt is able to go there and win what do they have to clean up and shore up against Alabama A&M, right? So I guess looking from the coach's point of view, Joey, put yourself in, in the locker room. What does Vanderbilt have to do to make you feel confident next week, right? You know, what, what do they have to shore up? As, as Coach Lee said, you know, it was a sloppy game against Hawaii, right? So what do they have to do for you uh, to feel confident about their chances next weekend against Wake Forest? If I'm Clark Lee, I want to see this team play hard for 60 minutes. I want to see it execute for 60 minutes, and I want to see it beat Alabama A&M by a significant margin because I thought that could have been the case last week. It wasn't. Clark Lee even mentioned that the thing he was most disappointed with was that their energy waned. Can't happen again, and that brings up some questions for me. If it does, I want to see backups get in this game if I'm Clark Lee, and I think Vanderbilt has a real chance to do that. That's what will make me feel good in terms of specific position groups. I think there's three that stick out and three that we've already talked about. The offensive line has to be better, has to get more push in the run game. And the run game, I think, is something else to watch. I guess that was one of the three that kind of go hand in hand. But I want to see guys extend runs. I want to see guys make plays in space. Patrick Smith made a play in space on the first drive to score that touchdown. Chase Gillespie had a nice drive. Other than that, though, really didn't see a whole lot from the run game in terms of it's running backs going out and making plays. The offensive line obviously has to help there, but Vanderbilt has to figure something out. I'm looking forward to seeing if Cedric Alexander hits the field at all in a game that may be a little bit more of a blowout than it was last week. So the run game, the offensive line, and then obviously the cornerbacks. I think Hawaii posed a lot of challenges for Vanderbilt that maybe it wasn't expecting, but its cornerbacks are still a concern, and I think – Seeing how that playing time is distributed, like you said, with Marcel Height, Trudeau Berry, be interesting to see if Vanderbilt can kind of hold off Alabama and M's passing game and maybe make some plays in the secondary outside of Derricky Wright for once. <laughs> yeah, Derricky Wright, uh, Reese's Senior Bowl Player of the Week. So uh, he obviously had a phenomenal performance with those two interceptions. Without those, Joey, I don't know if they win. So uh, we'll see if another guy steps up uh, this week for Vanderbilt. And Joey, last time uh, these two teams met was 2017. Vanderbilt won 42 to zero. I think they'd love to see something similar to that uh, this week. And uh, and so Vanderbilt, Alabama A&M kicking off Saturday, six o'clock. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Joey, any other parting thoughts before uh, we move on with this show? Hopefully we're not at this game until 1.30 in the morning, Billy. Hopefully uh, <laughs> they allow us to get some sleep without a rain delay this time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I had way too many Mountain Dews for my liking, so uh, I don't need that anymore. Joey, thanks, thanks, man. Thank you, Vanderbilt sideline reporter Kevin Ingram joining me now. And uh, Kevin, you've 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 been the Vanderbilt sideline reporter before, so you've seen um, you know you've seen Vanderbilt football from this angle, of course. Uh, you know, in, in that role again this season. 
Last weekend, uh, obviously came out with a win, 35-28 over Hawaii. We'll start with you know, your role uh, in that game, what you saw from from your vantage point on the sideline, anything anything you learned about this team that uh, maybe you weren't expecting uh, to, to, to have learned? Um, thanks for having me on the, on the show, Billy. Really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I think, uh, I think we learned a few things, but you know, a lot of it was, it was a season opener and there's going to be some things to clean up out of the first game of the season. There, there's so many unknowns. You go into that first game and you, you think, you know, things and, and you find out some other things, but, um, I, I just, I just think, um, overall to, to get a win. I mean, that was the bottom line. The, you, you get out of there, no matter how it looks in the end, a win's a win. It's always easier to make those corrections uh, after you win a football game. Um, but you know, there, there's certainly things that did you want to see improved, uh, including the, the rushing attack for uh, on the offensive side of things. Uh, I thought Hawaii's offense had success, uh, you know, in the passing game for sure. But some of that was to Hawaii's credit. They were much improved from last year. The, the team we saw in Honolulu and the team we saw on Saturday night in Nashville uh, were two very different things. And um, I thought Hawaii's team was a lot better, especially with that run-and-shoot offense that they run so well. But Vanderbilt was opportunistic and uh, made the plays when they needed to, including the the big interception by DeRicky Wright. Uh, his second of the game actually had one in the end zone that, that snuffed out a drive in the first half. And, um, you know, it got a little uh, dicey there on that onside kick, but uh, all's well that ends well. And DeRicky had the big pick and and uh, Commodores had the win. You mentioned Hawaii, Kevin, and, and I'm glad you mentioned them because they deserve a lot of credit in this game. Uh, Timmy Chang and, and that offense, they were prepared. Uh, they, they gave Vanderbilt some looks that Vanderbilt didn't expect to see in film. And, and of course, that happens uh, all around college football all the time. But they uh, they really gave Vanderbilt some looks they didn't expect to see. So, you know, comparing Hawaii to maybe, you know, your normal non-conference team may not have been as 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 much of a, you know, quote, pushover or, you know, cupcake, as a lot of people might have thought. Hawaii is a team that I think at least can make a bowl game. They've got Stanford uh, on Friday night. Kevin, that Hawaii team came to play, and and, and like you said, they're a lot more improved than, uh, from last season. Yeah, I think they were too. And, you know, they had added some nice transfers, and, uh, you know, the, the guys who were coming back were a year older, and they probably remembered what happened when Vanderbilt visited uh, Honolulu to start the season last year and then played out there. And, um, you know, hung a whole bunch of points on them. So I'm sure those guys came into Nashville feeling like they had a lot to prove and, and a lot to show. And I think they have a chance to be a, a really good football team. But yeah, they they were definitely a, a whole lot better than they were last year and, and, and provided some challenges. And probably uh, Vanderbilt learned some things as a result of that, especially defensively, some things they need to work on. Kevin, the, the lightning delay, of course, uh, had an impact on probably some fans and and obviously the broadcast. I think you guys got started and then had to get back up and rolling again. Yeah. Uh, do you think that had any impact on, on, on Vanderbilt? Uh, because you know, I was talking to Luke Wyatt earlier this week on our podcast. He said it's it's a little bit tougher for the home team sometimes because, you know, they they kind of get stuck sitting around a little bit. They're in their own facility. So do you think that had uh, any sort of impact? Uh, I don't know. I, I think more probably more disappointing than anything for the the uh, the players and coaches that were just ready to play a football game. You know, they've been yeah. going through all the practices and scrimmages and everything, all the offseason work. Then it's finally time to play and you have to wait another hour and a half to, to get started. Uh, yeah, we did. We started up our, our pregame. We did the first hour of the pregame. Then we shut it down for a little bit and went to some other programming and then came back when we got a game time within a, a half hour of uh, kickoff. Uh, I, I've talked to a couple people about that this week. Really, Vanderbilt started fine, though. Once the game started, the offense put some points on the board in the first quarter and uh, Hawaii came back and scored. And then, you know, the kick returned by Jade McGowan that uh, gave Vanderbilt the lead at that point and really grabbed momentum back. And I have asked a couple different people. It's like, what'd you do during the delay? Uh, I asked CJ Taylor about that. He said, yeah, I just kind of uh, listened to some music. I ate some pickles and I, I got ready to play. And uh, he, he would say that uh, I said, oh, the pickles to, to prevent cramping He's like, yeah, that. And I just like eating pickles. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was a, a funny answer. Uh, maybe something I wasn't expecting. But yeah, I, I think for everybody, it was kind of hard to just sit and, and chill for a little bit and wait for the game to get started. Uh, I, I walked around a little bit. I went up in the concourse or went down and I walked over to our office and uh, just just tried to uh, do the best I could to kill some time and uh, find out when the game was going to start. But it, it it worked out okay in the end. It, it turned out to be a late night. Everybody got home a whole lot later than they were hoping for, but uh, it, it turned out okay. 
Yeah, I might have had one too many Mountain Dews, Kevin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that's that's a recurring problem for me. <laughs> yeah, we had to do a post-game show, too, so it was definitely late night. Um, let's get into this week of prep. You mentioned some of the things that they'll have to clean up. Alabama A&M, of course, an FCS team. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna challenge you on them, and you know, give, give me, give me the insight there. But <laughs> I will, I will ask you to give me a couple things that Vanderbilt can improve on in heading into this game because we saw against Hawaii, uh, you know, Vanderbilt struggled at the offensive line spot, the cornerback position. Uh, so, you do, do you think this is an opportunity to clean some of those things up against Alabama A&M? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I talked to Joey Lynch, uh, I guess it was yesterday, uh, getting ready for, um, you know, to have have his offense ready for game two. And he said, yeah, you know, we, we have a lot of confidence in this run game and feel like we're going to get it going. And uh, it's a new look to the run game for sure. You know, with Ray Davis gone, it's a little more by committee, but they have some really talented backs and some guys that, that, that can carry the football. But you got to block those things up well up front. And um, you know, he said part of it too, and and I've heard uh, Clark Lee said this on our Monday night show too that uh, he felt like better decision making by by the quarterbacks and and those with the football uh, would serve him well, and and th- those things will progress. And I thought AJ Swan overall ha- had a good game. I you know, he, uh, made some good passes and and moved the offense, but you know, I think in the run pass options, they're they're hoping okay, let, let's let's you know lock down the decision-making process and make those reads and, and make the correct plays. And, and that'll help out the run game too. And that, that's, that's uh, definitely one of those things. Uh, if you're going to compete and win in the sec, you have to have balance and be able to run the football. You can't just come out and, 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 and throw it all the time. You have to be able to, to move the football on the ground. So I, I think this week provides a good opportunity to, uh, to potentially uh, uh, show some improvement in that area. And, and some of the others on, on the team that, or some of the the other areas from that first game that you know maybe we we overreact a little bit to a first game because that's mm-hmm. that's all the, the the sample size we have but um yeah you you want to show improvement and I, I feel like this team will this week Kevin uh, defensively uh, the front seven obviously Darren Agu is, is still out Christian James uh, is out right now uh, you know they've they've got uh, a couple other guys kind of banged up um for that defense, what are you looking to see from them? I know you talked about offensively there. Uh, defensively against Hawaii, they were good at times. Uh, but then again, Braden Shager and, and the Rainbow Warriors, credit to them, they were able yeah. to make some plays. So defensively, uh, what are you keying on to see, okay, they look better this week and they were able to clean some things up? Yeah, maybe um, more pass rush. You just kind of get that pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I, I the, the guys that are supposed to be the stars on the defense were the stars on the defense last week. CJ Taylor, yeah. you know, led the team in tackles and it felt like he was all over the place and, and close to the football. And Derricky Wright had the two big interceptions we talk about, and also a forced fumble as well. Um, you know, they, they're getting some new, have some new guys that are getting their feet wet on that defense, especially in the secondary. You know, the, the true freshman Martel Height was out there quite a bit. And, you know, they got Savion Riley uh, had his first appearance as a Commodore. And I think they felt like uh, he, he played well and is going to be a nice player. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you're you're finding your way. I thought the Patterson brothers are fun to watch. Uh, I've, I've, had, I've enjoyed watching those guys in practice out here getting ready for the season. I, I think uh, – they're always ready to hit somebody, especially Langston Patterson and, and, and Kane too, for that matter. But, you know, you got some hole, uh, a big hole to fill in terms of tackles with Anthony Orgy gone from that linebacker core. And uh, those guys feel like they're going to fill the bill uh, pretty nicely for this team. Real quick, Kevin, we, we know on special teams, we know how good Matt Hayball is. Uh, at the kicking spot, feels like, you know, a couple of guys there, Jacob Orchilla, Brock Taylor still sort of fighting around there. Uh, you know, Will Ferris doing the kickoff duty, and, and you saw the first touchdown drive uh, of the game against Hawaii. Vanderbilt, uh, you know, they, they, they went for two there. Uh, Matt Hayball, of course, didn't get it in, but I think that was an interesting look, but they were able to get those two points right back, uh, you know, their next yeah. offensive possession. Um, kicking game. Right. What have you seen there? Uh, wh- what have you learned? And and what can you tell us about that spot? And and as we know, Taylor and Borchilla, two very strong legs. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a tight competition. It, it has. And I, I've kept an eye on that competition during camp. And uh, Borchilla has, certainly has the more experience with his time out at Kansas. And um, you know, he's pretty accurate from, from everything I can see, you know, during his time with the Jayhawks uh, and and you kind of sometimes get the feeling that, especially at a position like that, that the, the veteran um, might get the advantage. And, 
you know, he, he was fine on extra points. I don't know that they even uh, attempted a field goal in that game. Uh, but yeah, that, that might be one of those positions that's a work in progress. Maybe it looks different as we get a little deeper in the season. Uh, Joe Bolivis was really solid for Vanderbilt the last two seasons, uh, kicking the football. But that, that's one of those things like you want to have somebody you can really rely upon. And you don't always necessarily have to have the guy that can knock down a, a 56 yarder for you. You just want somebody reliable from a, you know, 35, 40 yards if you have, mm-hmm. have a chance to hit one of those. So, uh, yeah, that, that might be a position group to uh, to keep an eye on. But yeah, as a, uh, for the most part, in that special teams game, uh, yeah, Matt Hayball, you mentioned he he's terrific. He's an outstanding punter, all conference uh, selection, and um, he, Wesley Schelling, the long snapper, is as all SEC too. And you know, Jay <laughs> McGowan looked good in the return game. So those parts look like they were uh, in pretty good order. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the kicking game as it goes along. Alabama A&M and Vanderbilt Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff at First Bank Stadium in Nashville. You can hear Kevin Ingram roaming the sidelines on 102.5 The Game, uh, also on the Vanderbilt Athletics app. Real quick, Kevin, before I let you go, uh, let you know, uh, uh, let fans know, not you, you already know, let fans know uh, how they can uh, hear you guys this year. Yeah, we're really excited about the new partnership with uh, Cromwell and 102.5 The Game. Uh, All of our games, football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, you can find every bit of it on one of two stations, either 102.5 The Game or 94.9 The Fan. Um, like our, our football games, for example, if the, later on when the Predators start their games, if they have a game on 102.5, we'll move over to, to, to 94.9. Right. Same thing for, for men's basketball. Um, but, yeah, the, you can find them. You can find our games in one of those two places. It's really exciting. And Cromwell's been a, a really good partner for us for years, so uh, we're excited to a, extend that partnership with them. That's Kevin Ingram, Vanderbilt football sideline reporter. Again, he'll be on the sideline this week in Alabama A&M at Vanderbilt. Kev, thanks for joining. Anytime, Billy. Thanks, man. Ted Dixie, the voice of the Bulldogs, radio play-by-play broadcaster for Alabama A&M. You can hear him on 90.9 FM WJAB down in Huntsville. Ted, thanks for taking the time. I'm glad uh, we're we're able to do this. Of course, Vanderbilt and Alabama A&M kicking off Saturday, 6 o'clock. Uh, in Nashville. Easy, easy drive. What is it? Three hours uh, up from Huntsville? Oh, thank you so much, Billy, for having me. No, it's an hour and a half. Oh, uh, really? Short trip, second trip to Vanderbilt. Uh, great place to play. Very fine people at Vandy. We like that. But, um, Alabama A&M, the Bulldogs have made several journeys into, some would have said, the Power Five at one time. But now there's only three brands of college football, and that's the SEC, the Big Ten, 11, 12, whatever they're going to be, and (laughs) HBCU football. Everyone else, you know, we don't know what conference is where. We don't know who's moving. (laughs) You know, thank the Lord for tradition. Oh, amen. Amen to that. I, I was thinking of Birmingham. Birmingham's three hours from Nashville. So Huntsville, real real quick drive for uh, for the Bulldogs, and uh, you guys will be heading up to play Vanderbilt uh, Saturday, 6 o'clock kickoff. Let's start with with sort of an introduction. You mentioned uh, there's all, these two teams have only met one other time, 2017, uh, when Alabama A&M came up to Nashville. Uh, but give us some background on where the program is. Of course, uh, at, within some of the HBCU programs, feels like there's been an uptick with, the, with within the HBCU community with coaches like Eddie George at TSU here in Nashville and, of course, uh, Deion Sanders at Jackson State now at Colorado. Right. So give Vandy fans sort of an introduction to this program, maybe some history behind it, and and uh, you know what makes you guys so proud of uh, of the Bulldogs down there. Well, that's, that's a very long story. Um, <laughs> our current head coach, Connell Maynard, uh, and his team won the HBCU National Championship uh, during the COVID season, 2021. Coach had his first losing season last year at four and seven. Uh, however, that's coming off losing an all-world quarterback, Quill Glass, who had one of the top five quarterback performances in Southwestern Athletic Conference history. And by the way, the, the SWAC is the most competitive conference in the football championship subdivision. Your last mm-hmm. two games of the season are probably going to determine whether you win a division and get a chance to play in the conference championship game. And even Mississippi Valley State, that hadn't had a lot of success over the years, can still beat someone because they have beaten us. Uh, next week, we'll be celebrating the Lewis Cruz Classic, which is to honor our legendary coach. You know, we have one NFL or pro football, excuse me, Hall of Famer, and that's John Stallworth. 
who's also a part owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. His coach was Coach Lewis Cruz, who some football historians credit with designing the trap play. And them mm-hmm. had to play Tennessee State when Too Tall Jones played there. Then yep. you had the Dallas Cowboys, Too Tall Jones. And so to eliminate him, <laughs> Coach came up with a blocking scheme. And after he got trapped the first couple of times, he was no good for the rest of the game. Now, <laughs> the interesting side note, with Vanderbilt being so close, uh, we've had several people from Huntsville who have uh, been student-athletes at Vanderbilt, uh, mm-hmm. most notably uh, Carl Jordan, who's been the strength and conditioning coach here at Alabama a and twice. Um, so Everett Crawford is another. A lot of Vandy folks will remember him. He is from Huntsville High School. We played little league baseball together. So the storied history of the Bulldogs, especially right now in Canadian football, uh, at one time, some would have said Ronald Fox, who played at Alabama a and was the best defensive player in Canadian football history. Currently, the highest paid defensive player in the Canadian Football League is Anthony Hardwork Lanier II. So this ball game, as a coach told me yesterday, you know, let's unplug the scoreboard. Realistically, 85 scholarships versus 63. Unplug the scoreboard, and what we want to see is just like in a boxing match, the underdog brings the force, brings the aggressiveness, brings the physicality. So we want to judge this in each round, each opportunity that we have to make an impact in the ball game. And some student athletes, because Alabama A&M has played Cincinnati twice, Auburn twice. We go back to Auburn next year. Coastal Carolina, Middle Tennessee State University, no stranger to the schools up and down I-65, if you will. The best thing about these kinds of games, even though folks say, oh, it's a money game or you're outmatched, well, you forgot when Appalachian State beat Michigan at Michigan one year. The biggest deal for us is just what happened the first time we played Auburn. Auburn had an all-world defensive end linebacker, Mr. Lemonier. Well, he had to go up against our left tackle, Jamal Johnson-Webb, who really buried him in that ball game? They took Lamonier out at halftime because he, besides being ineffective, the opportunity exists for our student athletes to get some film. What helps in recruiting is saying you're not in the SEC, but we play SEC teams. So, son, if you want to play football, you're talking playing pro football. You're going to get an opportunity to see how the best do it, and we're thankful for that. No doubt, and, and of course, uh, Connell Maynard, head coach uh, for for the Bulldogs, uh, g- give us some background on him, and and you know maybe some of his his prior career heading into Alabama A and M. Uh, of course, uh, you mentioned sort of his approach to this game, right? Turn the scoreboard off, right? We're we're going to compete and uh, and and see what we can do. So, um, tell us about Mr. Connell Maynard, Coach Maynard. First time I saw him, he was coaching Winston-Salem State in the Division II National Championship game. For schools that are underfunded to be in the championship game, uh, as one of our competitors down the road in Florence, the University of North Alabama was for so many years and won so many national championships, for you to get there as an unfunded program means you have to know football. You have to be able to recruit, take care of your student-athletes. Coach Maynard does that. He played in Arena League football, um, He's also in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Hall of Fame as a player. And he's going to get accolades also as a coach. But one thing, as a side note, you walk in coach's office and he has a, a photograph framed on his desk. And it's a picture of he and Al Pacino. Coach Maynard was wow. Jamie Foxx's stunt double on any given Sunday. Wow. And if all those passes you see in the movie, that's Coach Maynard. So his competitiveness is there. And what he does is maybe a little different. On Fridays, the quarterbacks and receivers, and I mean the former quarterbacks on his staff, the offensive coordinator, Dwayne Taylor, and the quarterbacks coach, Jason Mai, they compete in a quarterback challenge Friday afternoon. And they have routes they have to run, throws they have to make, the judged on it. He keeps competition alive on the football team, no matter what the record is. As coach says, you know, if you're all-conference, you've got a spot on the team. If you're not all-conference, you have to earn your spot. Coach Maynard's competitiveness, and he's a scratch golfer too, by the way, which is really <laughs> funny to me. Um, 
but his competition and his quarterback intelligence and the way he can translate that to his student athletes. I mean, our newest quarterback, and you'll see him Saturday, um, Quad Brown, we call him, because he's the fourth, Cornelius Brown, the fourth. Quad said Coach Maynard and the staff challenges him on every play. Coach Maynard's like, I don't care what you did. Was that the right thing for you to do? So we will be competitive, you know, even if it gets to a running clock. It's happened at Cincinnati one year. We were walking one of their student athletes after the game, going down the elevator after he left the press conference. And he said, we asked him, you know, how's the game? How you feeling? He says, man, I'm sore. I just didn't know y'all were going to compete like that. And people tell you in football, the moment you decide that you're not going to go full speed is when you get hurt. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. All right, you mentioned uh, Cornelius Brown, the fourth. Is, yes. is that his name? Okay, Cornelius yes. Brown, the fourth quarterback for the Bulldogs. Tell us about him because quarterback, obviously the most important position on the field. Yes. Uh, if, if you've got a good one, you got a chance, right? If you're struggling That's at right. that position – um, you know, you're behind the eight ball. So tell us about uh, the man they call Quad Brown. Quad Brown um, started his career he's from Calera, Alabama. He started his career at Georgia State. Uh, did very well at Georgia State. I believe they went to a bowl game. Then he transferred to Middle Ten- to excuse me, University of Tennessee Martin. Got injured, didn't play a lot, but as he told me, he learned so much there. So when he got an opportunity, and he's in graduate school, he have, already has his undergrad degree, working on his master's. Very intelligent, but he said he wanted to take an opportunity for someone to polish him off. So he saw the Creole Glass did. He said, you know, let me look at Alabama and then We recruited him hard. He's on the field, very tall, very lanky. He can do some things, but what we really want to see, especially on Saturday, is his pocket presence, how he gets the team to believe that he can win the game with him. And as a quarterback, and with all the transfers now, the transfer portal, you know, every coach almost has to shake up his team every semester, let alone right. every season. So and you've got to recruit year-round. The question is always, how is someone going to integrate into your system? You know, what bad habits do they bring in with them? What do you have to teach them? What do they have to unlearn? Quad was mentioning that there's still everybody runs the same place. Everybody runs the same place, folks. They just call them different <laughs> things. So, you know, three types of running plays, right? Lead, power, option, or something like that. That's what you're going to see. A dig is still a a pass across the middle. But he has to check himself because he said, you know, the the signals from the sideline, you know, one signal at one school meant one thing, and the same signal meant something else. So he's constantly got to stay there. (laughs) So so I look for other student athletes, especially those who've been in the system for a while, to also look at the sideline and when Quad calls a play, you know, just like in the huddle in the movie, hey, man, that's not the play. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we'll see. But it's his opportunity. And, of course, only thing we really want to do, seriously, besides winning the game, the, don't get it wrong, we're trying to win the game. If Vanderbilt gives us an opportunity, we're trying to take it. But besides that, we just want to get out of the game healthy. Right. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Another another important side of the ball. Clark Lee talked about in his Tuesday press conference how the Bulldogs will show some exotic things that, that a lot of defenses don't show on the defensive line. And and I, I want you to talk about this a little bit because I, I'm intrigued, and I think a lot of our listeners are as well. Clark said at, at times they will basically stand up all four defensive linemen. They'll drop back, and then the three linebackers will come in and almost act as defensive linemen. So – is 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 that something they do every game, just bring it out on occasion? And have you seen it? And what can you tell people who have some questions about it? Well, to answer the questions, wait until the game or go back and look at the film. <laughs> uh, but Keanis Bulware uh, is a defensive coordinator, and he has been there, been with Coach Maynard uh, at two different places. He's been a championship-winning coach himself. What he likes are, of course, strong, fast defensive players, but more intelligent than anything else. You've got to be able to read and practice. We've got to, everyone, everyone breaks down film the same way. You've got to have to know what they're going to do when you see a formation, how you're supposed to react. But part of what you've got to do now, because college football, to me, always leads all levels of football in play design and development. 
First time I saw stacked receivers is one of our former head coaches, James Spady, who's the offensive coordinator at Grambling, and he stacked the outside receivers. I'd never seen that before. I had to go to Bob Davies' How to Play Football book. I can't remember the title <laughs> right now. But it was like on page 400. The formation was like on page 400. So what Coach Bolware likes to do and understands, because all these coaches get together, they talk in the offseason, they meet. What he wants to do is try to confuse someone on that offensive line to give someone a chance. And the one we want to give a chance is number four, Zarion Hayes. He's a all-conference redshirt senior, came from Appalachian State to us. He's a preseason all-conference selection. He was in the top 10 nationally in the football championship subdivision and tackles for loss. If we get a chance, we're going to try to get there. So what do you want to do? You want your offensive linemen when they're used to being able to spot certain keys because they've worked on that during the week. When you get to the game, the key you're looking for is not there suddenly. So now you've got an 18, 19, 20-year-old, there's a good chance for confusion. Now the 20, 21, 22-year-old may not matter. They may be too big, too strong. Whatever you do, it's not going to matter. Sorry, that was my fantasy draft going off right there. Uh Sorry about that. (laughs) Your turn, your turn. (laughs) Well, well, that that means we got to wrap this up. But, Ted, I really appreciate it. i got one more here for you. What's it mean – for the school, you know, take the football program out of it. The school, obviously, this will be on uh, ESPN Plus. Um, obviously, people in Nashville going to the game, they'll be introduced, maybe reintroduced to to this program. So, uh, t- tell me a little bit about what this might mean for the school, uh, the program as a whole as well, uh, but just these players as well to have an opportunity to play against an SEC program. As I mentioned, student athletes, you're going to get a chance to get filmed against the best. You know, people talk about, well, Vanderbilt's in the SEC. They haven't won a conference championship. You know, that doesn't matter. Vanderbilt has to recruit to play against other schools in the SEC. When it's the SEC on your schedule, they've talked about it all summer. Some One student athlete said to me in practice the other day, he said, you know, Mr. Ted, if there's one thing I'll be able to say after my time here is that I got to walk into an SEC stadium. Now, sadly, our band won't be there. The Marching Maroon and White uh, is not going to be there. They're going to uh, the band competition in New Orleans this weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, And that's always a treat, right? Because, you know, ever since Grambling performed in the first, I think, two Super Bowls at halftime, HBCU bands, you know, that's the pinnacle. That's the best one going on. Everyone wants to see and hear that. That's the part that won't be there. But what I really like, you know, we played at Georgia Tech. You don't know who you will meet, especially somewhere like Vanderbilt, the alumni there. You, you, know, you don't know what someone does, but you might see a pin on their lapel. And you can ask them, you know, what's the pin for? They'll say, well, I've given a half a million and then the other diamonds are for other half millions I've given. So it, it shows you to me the SEC is your benchmark for what you want to be as a conference. Our conference commissioner um, spends a lot of time talking with the SEC commissioner and they have a great relationship. Um, So what it means for us is that Alabama state now plays Auburn and Mississippi. It's mandated by law that all the schools in the state play one another Mm -hmm. by law. So it shows that a kid who, you know, kids get disappointed, man, I'm hoping they get signed by Vandy. We don't get signed by Vandy. You don't get signed by another SEC school. So you're looking for somewhere to go. And to me, and and kids will say it to me, next best thing is being able to have them on your schedule. So some guy that's a lot of these kids, you know, we'll go to those games, man. The kids will be talking after the game, and they know each other. Somebody's like, yeah, man, we played. That's my (laughs) homeboy. That's, you know, you're like, okay, so you've gone back to high school. So those kids (laughs) get a chance to say, you know, one more time, I'm playing against this guy on a big-time stage. So, hey, man, that's a great gift, you know, for you being a student athlete at Alabama and being able to go to these other schools. And, hey, by the way, you know, we have a high team GPA. Now some of the kids can say, well, I've seen Vanderbilt. Maybe I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll go med school. Maybe I'll take a grad degree at Vanderbilt. I've seen it. So exposure is always prime for young people. They may not know anything, but exposing them it puts a new wrinkle on your brain as my high school government teacher. 
Well, I know you're excited. The players are excited, and uh, we're looking forward to this matchup Saturday night, 6 o'clock in Nashville. If you're not able to go, you can watch it on ESPN+. Ted Dixie, the voice of the Bulldogs, has uh, been our final guest here on the pregame show this week. Ted, thanks for taking the time. Uh, Hopefully I get to see you up in the booth potentially Saturday, uh, but good luck on the call, and thanks for taking the time. Go Bulldogs. Service is sovereignty, and just because it's Vanderbilt, anger down. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Take care, man. Appreciate you, Billy. To close out, this podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. So here's how you can help keep it that way. Number one, give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you're listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com, please do. It's $99 a year and $9.99 per month. Again, $99 per year. per month. It's been that way since the very beginning, and it helps us tremendously. So subscribe to VandySports.com if you haven't already. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That's free. We've got a lot of momentum on our YouTube channel, whether it's a press conference, uh, an interview feature, one of Joey Dwyer's rapid reactions, one of our uh, live reports on the field, uh, pregame, postgame shows, whatever it is, we've got locked and loaded on our YouTube channel. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, finally, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, as I mentioned earlier, email Chris Lee, our publisher, at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Again, that's chrislee70 at gmail.com. Thank you to all the guests today, Joey Dwyer, Kevin Ingram, and Ted Dixie, the voice of the Bulldogs. Coming up Saturday night, it's Vanderbilt and Alabama A&M, 6 o'clock kickoff from First Bank Stadium. If you're not able to go, you can watch it on ESPN+. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.